me invite you to turn with me this morning to the Gospel of John and to the 10th chapter, John chapter 10. We have been on recent Sundays working our way through the book of Daniel, but I've moved that series over now to Wednesday evenings where I hope it will continue to be a blessing. And this morning instead we turn to John chapter 10, and we turn also now to the Lord and seek his help and his blessing. Father, we do ask now that you would do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see. Thank you that for many in this room in Christ, you have already given us eyes to see so that your word is precious to us and and today uh, open our eyes even further lord and give us grace to see what you have to say for us and and give us grace to see your son and his glory on the pages of john chapter 10 and we ask in his name amen well there are various ways in the pages of scripture uh, of describing the relationship between God and his people. He is our king, and we are his subjects. He is our groom, and we are his bride. He is our father, and we are his children. And then there is the heartwarming portrait of a shepherd with his sheep. We are his sheep, and he is our Shepherd. We see that portrait, of course, most famously in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And we see the Lord as our shepherd and we as his sheep several other times in the Psalms as well. Perhaps most famously in Psalm 100, which we sometimes sing in William Keith's metrical version. We are his folk, he doth us feed, and for his sheep. He doth us take. And then, of course, there's Jesus' famous parable in Luke 15. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? That is what our Lord is like. He is a shepherd who cares about and cares for and goes in search of even one lost sheep. And both Peter and the author of Hebrews use this metaphor for the Lord and his people as well. A shepherd and his sheep. And so I say to you, this is one of the most prominent pictures in all the Bible, one of the most prominent portraits of God and his people that we're given on the pages of Holy Scripture. The Lord is our shepherd and we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And it's a beautiful portrait indeed. It shows us the tender compassion of our God. It shows us his care for his own. It shows us how prone we are to stray like sheep and how willing the Lord is to come and find us and bring us home again. And aside from Psalm 23, probably the most famous of all these biblical portraits of the shepherd and his sheep is the one we find here in John chapter 10. And I'd like to read it to you in a couple of different portions this morning, beginning in verse one. These are the words of Jesus. Truly, 
Truly I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father." Now, again, this is a delightful portrait, is it not? The good shepherd who knows his sheep, who calls each one of them by name, who stands by them when the wolf comes, who lays down his life for them, and the sheep who know his strong voice and who respond to it and who follow. It's a beautiful portrait Jesus paints in these first 18 verses. But as you can see in verses 19 and following, not everyone was impressed Perhaps especially not with the fact that Jesus called God his own father and with the fact that Jesus said he had other sheep which are not of this fold. Perhaps they also weren't impressed with his claim to be able both to lay his life down on his own initiative and to take it up again. Indeed, some of the people accused Jesus in verse 20 of being both insane and demon-possessed. And in verse 24, Jesus began to be pressed to just plainly say whether or not he was the Messiah. And listen how he answers that demand now in verses 25 and 26. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. That's why people don't believe in Jesus. Because they're not of his sheep. Because they're not part of this one great flock for whom he has laid down his life. And whom he is gathering from the four corners of the globes. You do not believe because you are not of my sheep. But then in verses 27 and 28. And this is where I want us to focus our attention this morning. In verses 27 and 28. In contrast with those who are not his sheep. Jesus makes a marvelous statement 
about those who are. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. There's enough spiritual food in those two verses to fill our plates full this morning. And so let's just take this one sentence from John 10, verses 27 and 28, and pull the meat off the bones one phrase at a time and feast on what the good shepherd has to say here to and about his sheep. So first of all, I just want you to notice that Jesus calls them my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. Now all human beings are like sheep, are we not? All human beings like sheep have gone astray. All of us, as we sometimes sing, are prone to wander. All of us are unwise, like sheep are unwise. And so in one sense, we're all like sheep. But if some of us, Jesus claims, these are my sheep. These sheep belong to my pasture. These are the ones I have purchased for myself. You may sometimes have seen sheep out in the fields with a little daub of paint on their hind quarters or on their heads. And it may look a little bit strange to you, these lily white sheep with beautiful coats of wool and someone has splotched them with red or with yellow or blue paint. Why do the shepherds do that? Well, the color of the paint and perhaps the location of it as well is the shepherd's way of saying, these are my sheep. The ones with the blot of red paint on their backs, these are the ones I have purchased for myself. These are the ones that I have committed to feed and wash and care for. These are the ones that I'll thump with my staff if they begin to stray. These are the ones I will search hill and dale for if they wander from the flock. These are my sheep. And there's a difference in how a shepherd deals with his own sheep versus all the other sheep that are out on the hillsides with them. Just like there's a difference in how a parent deals with his or her own child on the playground versus all the other children who are being rascally. Don't you know what that's like, parents? You're committed to your own little lambs like you're committed to no others. And you'll care for them and you'll discipline them and you'll watch them like you watch no other children on the playground. And so what does it tell you when you hear Jesus speaking of my sheep? And how does it make you feel if you are one of them? My sheep, Jesus calls those who believe on his name. They belong to me. I hold them dear. They are marked with the brush dipped in my own blood. They have been purchased on the cross for my very own. My sheep, he calls them. And he will fight for them against the wolves. And he will lead them beside quiet waters. And he will feed them from green pastures. He will go in search of them and not give up until he has brought them home safely. Every last one upon his shoulders. And he will wield his staff of discipline on them first when needs be. Because they are his sheep. Not every person has these privileges. Not every person is the sheep of his pasture But there are those whom Jesus calls my sheep. And it's a blessing. I wonder if you're among them this morning. 
wonder if you truly belong to this Jesus, if you're among his very own. Or if you find yourself today just wandering the wilderness of this world alone, without any shepherd to guide you. What a privilege it is to know and to hear Jesus call you my sheep. And then listen to something else he says about his sheep, still in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I know them. In other words, Jesus is not the kind of sheep owner who just goes out and purchases a bunch of sheep and says, these are my sheep, and then leaves them to his farm hands to tend by themselves. He does have farm hands, of course. He does have under-shepherds, pastors, elders. But the fact that Jesus uses under-shepherds is no indication that he, the owner of the sheep, lives somewhere off in a far city and only gets reports on the sheep via databases and spreadsheets. No. For this rancher, the sheep are not mere numbers. They are my sheep and I know them. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. Each of them by name, he said, back in verse 3. Now I confess that if there ever was a city slicker, your pastor is one of them. I'm fascinated in, in many ways by livestock and especially by sheep, but I don't really know the first thing about what it's really like to care for them, and probably neither do most of you. And so maybe this idea of a shepherd knowing each of his individual sheep by name may seem far-fetched, to you. And I certainly don't know how prevalent this sort of intimate knowledge actually is among shepherds today, but many years ago we had a friend who grew up on a dairy farm, and I was interested to know what that was like, and she was explaining to us one day how the system worked and how they got the cows milked every day and what order they went in and how they organized the whole thing. And I was genuinely amazed to hear her say, matter-of-factly, that each and every one of her family's cows, and there were a few dozen of them it seems to me, Each and every cow had a name. And that the family members knew all the cows by name. What? You must really care about your cows. And I say to you, how much more the sheep of Christ's pasture? He has far more sheep than that. He has far more sheep than even the most successful rancher in New Zealand, and yet he knows every last one of them by name. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And of course, we do not exhaust Jesus' words in verse 27 simply by saying that he knows our individual names. No, when Jesus says of his sheep, I know them, he actually means I know them. I know when they sit down, and I know when they rise up. I understand their thoughts from afar, but even before there is a word on their tongue, I know it all. I know their fears. I know their griefs. I know their dreams, even the ones they haven't shared with even another single human soul. I know them, each individual one. I know their sins, and I know how grieved they are over them. I know what they need before they ask me. I know just what green pastures of scripture to which I'm going to lead them from Sunday to Sunday so that their diet will be well-rounded and complete. I know which rods of discipline I will ply upon them when they go astray. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. I know the plans I have for them, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give them a future and a hope. 
I know where they're most vulnerable. I know where the wolf is likely to make his attack. I know where he will make his attack. I know exactly how I'm going to beat him back. I know how I'm going to cause all things to work together for their good, even those gut-wrenching things which they don't yet know about themselves. I know every day and hour and minute of their life before it ever happens. And I know the day and hour and minute of their death. And that day and hour and minute is precious in my sight. And I know the little patch of ground where their bodies will be laid to rest. And it is precious to me too because I know also that I am coming again someday in the clouds to raise these bodies from the graves. And I know just what their glorified bodies will be like when I come to retrieve them. And I know just what it will be like for them to live in my presence for all eternity even if they themselves cannot fathom how they will pass the time. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, and I know them. And I hope that's comforting to you this morning. You may feel like no one else really knows you. You may even feel like you're not sure that you know yourself. But Jesus knows his sheep. Every name, every sheep, every detail of their lives from beginning to eternity. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. But then notice that phrase, my sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice. I asked you earlier if you were one of Jesus' sheep. And here's one all-important way that you can know. Here's one telltale sign of the sheep of his pasture. My sheep hear my voice. In his book, A Shepherd Looks at the Good Shepherd and His Sheep, Philip Keller, who was both a shepherd and a Christian author, wrote like this about the importance of the shepherd's voice. The relationship which rapidly develops between a shepherd and the sheep under his care is to a definite degree dependent upon the use of the shepherd's voice. Sheep quickly become accustomed to their owner's particular voice. They are acquainted with its unique tone. They know its peculiar sounds and inflections. They can distinguish it from that of any other person. If a stranger should come among them, they would not recognize nor respond to his voice in the same way that they would to that of the shepherd. Even if the visitor should use the same words and phrases as that of their rightful owner, they would not react in the same way. It is a case of becoming actually conditioned to the familiar nuances and personal accent of their shepherd's call. It used to amaze and intrigue visitors to my ranches to discover that my sheep were so indifferent to their voices. Occasionally, I would invite them to call my sheep using the same words and phrases which I habitually employed, but it was to no avail. The ewes and lambs and even the rams would simply stand and stare at the newcomers in rather blank bewilderment, as if to say, who are you? This is simply because over a period of time, sheep come to associate the sound of the shepherd's voice with special benefits. When the shepherd calls to them, it is for a specific purpose that has their own best interests in mind. It is not something he does just to indulge himself or to pass the time away. His voice is used to announce his presence. He is there. It is to allay their fears and timidity, or it is to call them to himself so they can be examined and counted carefully. He wants to make sure they are all well, fit, and flourishing. Sometimes the voice is used to announce that fresh feed is being supplied, or salt, minerals, or water. 
He might call them up to lead them into fresh pastures or into some shelter from an approaching storm. But always, the master's call conveys to the sheep a positive assurance that he cares for them and is acting in their best interests. In all of this, the key to the contentment of the sheep lies in recognizing the owner's voice. When the sheep hear that voice, they know it is their master and respond at once. And the response is much more than one of mere recognition. They actually run toward the shepherd. They come to him, for they know he has something good for them. End of quote. I wonder if you have that kind of response to the voice of Jesus. I wonder if you recognize and prefer his voice above all others. If you've come to trust his voice above all others. If you've come to associate his voice with all the good that the shepherd does for you. If you're comforted by it when you're afraid. And if you run toward that voice when you hear it. The shepherd's sturdy, familiar, trustworthy voice is so important to his sheep. And so, of course... The sheep listen to it. My sheep hear my voice. Now we hear that voice, of course, most fundamentally of all in the simple gospel, don't we? The gospel which speaks to us of salvation, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but on the basis of deeds which Jesus has done on our behalf. His love for sinners, his sinless life, his sacrificial death for our sins, his resurrection on the third day. This is where we make our first beginning at learning and responding to the shepherd's voice as he speaks to us in the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is as we respond to this gospel in simple repentance and simple faith, it is as we respond to this gospel in simple trust in what Jesus has done to save us that God declares us right in his sight, forgiven, acquitted, justified. This is all God requires of us for salvation, a simple response of repentance and faith as we hear his voice in the good news of his son. And yet, when we hear and respond to that voice in the simple gospel, we also begin to realize that, like Philip Keller with his sheep, our shepherd has more than one reason for calling out to us. The simple gospel may be our shepherd's most fundamental call, but it's not his only one. And if his sheep are characterized by hearing his voice, and Jesus says they are, then it stands to reason that we should be listening to that voice in all the various ways to which, or in which our shepherd has spoken. In other words, if you're one of his sheep, while it is not your obedience, but faith in the obedience of Jesus that has justified you, it is also true that if you have heard and come to Christ in the simple gospel, then you will also be the sort of person who learns to hear his voice in all the other things which he has to teach us as well. You'll hear his voice when he speaks to you in his law. You'll hear his voice when he speaks to you in the promises to those who keep that law. You'll hear his voice in his rebukes. You'll hear his voice in the most profound truths of the gospel. You'll hear his voice in all the doctrines of our faith. Christ's true sheep learn to hear his voice in all that he says. And they know, again, like Keller's sheep, that if the shepherd is speaking to them in these various ways, then he must mean them good. My sheep hear my voice. Not perfectly, not without fail, but if you are one of Christ's own, you will begin listening to his voice. 
And you will have also learned to borrow again from Keller and from Jesus in verses 4 and 5 early in the chapter. If you have begun to hear his voice, then you will also have learned to distinguish between the shepherd's voice and every other voice. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says. They recognize my voice. The words on the pages of Scripture are not of mere historical interest to them and certainly not boring or irrelevant. No, when they hear the words of Scripture, they hear in those words the very tones, the very inflections that belong to their shepherd. And they immediately know that it's he who's speaking to them. And they listen. My sheep hear my voice. Their ears perk up when they begin to hear God's voice from the pages of the Bible. Whether it's in a sermon or a lesson, or a public reading, or their own reading, or a family devotional, or a word of encouragement from a friend, or a word of forgiveness that is given to them in their sin, or even a word of rebuke. No matter what kind of word it is, so long as it comes from the mouth of the Good Shepherd, those who are his sheep listen. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says. And again, I wonder if that's an accurate description of you. When you read, when you hear the words of the Bible, is it clear to you that you're hearing the very voice of the Lord himself. In other words, when you read the Bible, does it seem to you like every other book? Or do you discern in it the very tones and inflections that are peculiar to the good shepherd? And if you recognize these words as the very words of God, do your ears perk up? And does your mind begin to concentrate because you know that you simply must hear what the good shepherd has to say? Is his voice uniquely precious to you? the way Philip Keller describes his sheep with their shepherd. Have you responded to that voice in the simple gospel? Have you believed in Christ to save you from your sins? And have you continued responding to that voice in whatsoever other things he has spoken in his word? If so, again, you have good evidence that you may well be one of Christ's sheep. You may look at yourself sometimes and think, I don't know if I'm following Jesus or not, but but if you hear his voice, and if his voice is sweet to you, that's a good sign. If, on the other hand, Christ's voice means very little to you, if you prefer the talking heads to a sermon, if you prefer the magazine rack to the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, if, if the voice of Jesus is not precious to you, then you have reason to question whether you're actually one of his sheep. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, and I know them. And... They follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Here's another test for us. If we're truly among Jesus' sheep, we will hear his voice, yes, but we will also follow that voice. We will believe its gospel, yes, and we will go on to obey its commands and believe its promises and run to the voice of our shepherd, as Philip Keller described. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And why wouldn't we follow him? For if we know this good shepherd, we have already come to see that he knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows where is the best pasture and where is the clearest water. Not us. He knows how to steer us clear of the valleys where the lions and the wolves lurk. And when they spring upon us, he is the one who will beat them back. So why wouldn't we follow him? He knows what's best for us, and he's committed to give what's best to us. Isn't that what we read from Keller about his own sheep? Let me just read to you a portion of it again. 
Over a period of time, the sheep come to associate the sound of the shepherd's voice with special benefits. His voice is used to announce his presence. He is there. It is to allay their fears and timidity, or it is to call them to himself so they can be examined and counted carefully. Sometimes the voice is used to announce that fresh feed is being supplied or salt, minerals, or water. He might call them up to lead them into fresh pasture or into some shelter from an approaching storm. But always the master's call conveys to the sheep a positive assurance that he cares for them and is acting in their best interests. End of quote. That's what the sheep hear when they hear the shepherd's voice. And so, of course, they follow. Of course, the sheep run to the shepherd. They know he'll do them good. And if we're Christ's sheep, don't we know that? Don't we know that? If we truly know the good shepherd, if we recognize his voice, we know that he's never led us astray before. He may have, yes, led us up some pretty steep hillsides. And he may have led us through some awfully dark valleys. And he has probably thwacked us on the backside a few times too, if we're really his sheep. But he's never led us astray, has he? And so, of course, we follow him if we're really among his sheep. And I hope that's your testimony. I hope you can say with the Apostle John this morning, his commandments are not burdensome. I hope you can say, he always, my shepherd, always knows what's best. Even when he asks difficult things of me and takes me down steep paths, he always knows what's best. And and what can I say? Not only is he a good shepherd, but I'm a really needy sheep. Where else can I turn but to follow him wherever he should lead? And again, on the flip side, we should ask, what does it say if we're unwilling to do so? What does it say if we hear his voice calling us to do certain things and to obey certain commands and we just don't think we like the ideas he's laid out for us? What does it say if we're just not sure that the shepherd's ways will work out best for us and we dig our heels in and we sit down in the grass and we just won't go? It must mean we don't really know the shepherd because those who know the shepherd knows, know that he, he knows what he's doing. He knows where he's going. He's not going to lead me somewhere that's not good for me. He's not going to lead me on a wild goose chase either. And so if we hear the voice of the good shepherd and consistently find ourselves sitting down and we will not follow, then we must not know him. Or we must not know him as well as we thought. Perhaps we don't know him at all. Perhaps we're not actually among his sheep because the sheep trust their shepherd and the sheep hear his voice and the sheep follow. Perhaps some of you will hear his voice even now in what I've been saying and you'll realize that you've sat down, you'll realize that you've been stubborn and you'll finally begin to listen to the voice of the good shepherd and to follow him in faith today. I hope you will. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus declares, and they follow me. And verse 28, I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. Now here we go beyond the province of what an earthly shepherd can do. An earthly shepherd can know his sheep. He can do them good. He can lead them to the right places. He can have a voice that they trust completely. He can beat back the wolves. He can keep them from sickness and death as best as he can with all the zeal and faithfulness that he can muster. But eventually, the sheep must perish. 
just the same. He cannot keep them alive forever. And when they perish, the relationship between sheep and shepherd is severed forever. But not so with this shepherd. Not so with the Lord Jesus. This shepherd has not only promised to feed us and protect us and guide us and care for us in this life, but this shepherd has promised to be able to grant to us a life that will last to all eternity. This shepherd does not simply lead us beside quiet waters here and now. He actually grants to us to drink, John chapter 4, from a well of water springing up to eternal life. This shepherd is not only with us in the valley of the shadow of death, but this shepherd actually brings his people out on the other side. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. Eternal life where the green pastures and the quiet waters will stretch away as far as the eye can see in the new heavens and the new earth. Eternity, where the abundant life that Jesus spoke about back in verse 10 will come to its fullest fruition. Eternal life, where there will be no more need for the discipline of the shepherd's rod because in that day we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Eternal life where there will be no more valley of the shadow of death. This is what the good shepherd has granted to all who hear his voice and who follow him. Are you among them? Have you heard his voice in the gospel? Have you followed him in faith? Are you a believer in Jesus? And if you're not, would you not hear and believe and follow this Jesus today? If you would, then you will find that one day you will follow him all the way to eternity. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And before we leave this point, let us be sure we never forget how Jesus has obtained eternal life for his followers. Never forget those soaring words in Isaiah 53. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearer, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people, to whom the stroke was due? That's how it is that we who deserve to die in our sins can have eternal life because the good shepherd on behalf of his sinful straying sheep, Isaiah says, became like a lamb, a sacrificial lamb to go in and absorb on his own head the stroke of death that was due to us. In order that we might have eternal life, he took on flesh and endured temporal death. In order that we might never perish, the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. He had authority to lay it down, we were told in verse 18, and he has authority, and he had authority to take it up again. And this Jesus, who laid down his life for the sheep and who had authority to take it up again, has authority also to give eternal life to every last one of his sheep, to everyone who believes in his name, to every single individual who will hear his voice and follow him in faith. And I urge you to do that. Even today, hear his voice, promising eternal life to his sheep and follow that voice. Follow the good shepherd. 
And as you do, notice finally that Jesus says of his sheep, no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Here is the good shepherd, fresh come in from the field with a lost sheep draped over his shoulders, bringing him home to his fold. And the shoulders over which the sheep is draped are covered with scars from where the Roman scourge laid open his flesh. And on either side of his breast, the hands which hold the rescued sheep in place are forever marked with the imprint of the nails that he received on the cross. And the feet with which he carries his prize back to the sheepfold are printed with the very same marks. This is the price he paid in order to bring his sheep home. This is the price he paid in order to grant them eternal life. This is the price he paid to bring you home, believer, and to grant you eternal life. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. And do you think for one minute having done all of that to secure you, do you think for one minute that he's going to let a stray wolf or even that roaring lion, the devil himself, do you think that he is going to let anyone or anything snatch this blood-bought lamb out of his nail-pierced hands? You may have been convinced today that you were never actually one of his sheep. You may have realized today that you've never actually begun listening to his voice and following him, but that is not the same as losing your salvation. Oh no, you, you may awaken one day and realize that though you were walking along with Christ's sheep, that you were actually just following the crowd rather than listening to the voice of the shepherd. You may realize that he never did leave his mark upon you. But I tell you that if Christ has dipped the brush in his own blood and laid his mark upon your back, if you are among the sheep for whom he's given his life, such that he has now by the word of his gospel, come out into the hillsides to bring you home. If that is you, you will never lose your status as a child of God. He will never cease to call you my sheep. No one will snatch you out of his hand. They will not snatch away the eternal life which he has purchased for you. They will not snatch you out of his earthly care. And neither will they snatch away the eager ears with which you listen to his voice or the willing feet with which you follow him. If you're truly Christ's sheep, you will be his sheep. And he will know you. And you will hear his voice. And you will follow him all the way to eternal life. And that, my friends, is a good promise. It's as good a promise as you'll ever find. No wonder we call him the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand.